You're listening to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 50, the second part of Josh Berry's conversation with Arnold Bonzon, Director of Corporate Innovation at 500 Startups. Arnold's team compiled a report about the top 500 corporations in the world and what they're doing with innovation. You can find the report in the show notes. In this episode, Arnold shared some practical tips on how to bridge gaps both culturally and logistically between startups and corporations. We pulled in a clip from our interview with Gregor Jimmy from BMW Startup Garage, which was one of the ventures that Arnold highlighted as especially innovative. Built on a client model, BMW actually gives its startups itself as a first client to help them learn the things that they really can't outside of real-world experience. Brian also shared about a program here in Lincoln, Nebraska that flips the script on typical startup corporation partnership to solve specific problems for the larger organization and help the smaller one grow. We're flipping the script on Silicon Valley innovation this summer with our Inside Outside Innovation Summit in Lincoln, Nebraska. From June 19th through the 21st, we're hosting an incredible crowd of speakers, startups, corporations, and investors in the hub of the Silicon Prairie. Find out how to shake up your field from fintech to ag tech with speakers like Simone Ahuja with Blood Orange, Janice Frazier with Bionic, and Paul Singh with Results Junkies. To become a corporate sponsor, apply for the $1,000 Startup Pitch Contest, or buy a ticket, visit theiosummit.com. Now, let's get started. Wondering if you have any tactical advice for corporates or for startups as they uh, begin to work together. I know many times when we talk to startup founders or entrepreneurs, every once in a while you come across startups who are a little bit wary and leery of corporates who are wanting to work with them. You know, maybe they just want to take my IP or, or it's going to be really bureaucratic and a lot of red tape and it's just going to suck up all of my time trying to work with these corporates. Uh, they just, they just want uh, to put me in the zoo. I think I heard that one time from a startup so that they can come around and see me. And then on the corporate side of things, uh, we hear some other complaints, you know, of, well, these people aren't really that far along. They're not big enough for me to care yet. Or even just trying to figure out how to get them through all the hoops and the hurdles with all the rest of the bureaucracy around me, it isn't worth it. What, what advice tactically do you have to corporates or startups as they start to begin this dance? The thing I, I love to share is for a startup, it's easy to identify with which corporate they want to work with, but it's very difficult for them to find who is the right person to talk to. So who is the person who can understand what they're doing, the person who can make the decision, maybe not the same. On the other end, for corporate, it's very difficult to identify with which startup they want to work with, but easy to identify with who they should talk to because usually they will talk to the CEO. So this is like quite interesting because they have absolutely opposite challenge on this aspect to how to find the right person and how to find the right company to work with. For the startup, I will say like you can get some benefit working with corporate. You can get some credibility. So, for example, when you're a startup and you can say that those top five corporations are your customer or your partner, this is definitely giving you some credibility about who you are and what you're doing. So, this is helping also in, a, in terms of branding and PR. Something that a lot of startups think when they reach out to corporate is like using them for distribution or access to their customers. Um, so, this is kind of obvious benefit that you can get from a corporate. But a bit less obvious, but that some corporates start to leverage now is offering access to their suppliers, especially if you're doing hardware, for example. So, the BMW accelerator, for example, they offer access to their suppliers to the startups. You get another accelerator where when you join the first day, 
they give you a supplier number, meaning the whole organization can order from the startup the first day you join the program. So, so this is quite also interesting. And of course, you can get funding on a corporate side. But what I will say for entrepreneurs is when you look at a corporate is think about what are the, the resources that you can leverage from the corporate. So, for example, if you have Spotify, why you will look after Coca-Cola, right? It's like you're a music streaming company. Why you will look at after a beverage company? Doesn't make that much sense, right? Except maybe, oh, just give me money. And But when you look at the distribution side, if, you, if you're like, okay, I'm a music streaming company. So, basically, everyone with an internet connection can download my app and listen to music, right? So, except like your negotiation of the right with the major, you're more or less like a worldwide company from day one. And when you think that Coca-Cola is just a company who is delivering product all over the world except two countries, which are like Cuba and North Korea, and Cuba is opening soon. So basically, if you just put a QR code um, to download, let's say, a free song on a Coke can, you can deliver this worldwide, right? So this is kind of amazing. And for a cost like close to zero to just add this kind of QR code on a, on a Coke can. So then you're like, wow, if I'm Spotify, I want to deliver worldwide my product. I want to have a massive reach. Coke could be an amazing partner. So this is interesting because you don't look them as a beverage company, but you look more like what is a key asset that you can leverage, which is like a massive and worldwide distribution that maybe barely anyone can fit. When you look at the trucks owned by Coca-Cola to deliver Coke, is bigger than what FedEx, UPS, and DHL have together. Just to give you a sense of wow. what is a distribution means at Coca-Cola, wow. right? So, so then it's really thinking about company in a different aspect, not only by, by industry, but really what, which kind of asset they have and which kind of asset can you leverage from, from those companies. Um, so I think this is one of the advice I, I can, I can share for entrepreneur. On a corporate side, I think a lot of them look like, like to work with startups for so having like an innovative image trying to go a little bit like faster also, looking to change the culture. But it's quite challenging because I feel like sometimes an entrepreneur and a corporate doesn't speak the same language. It's like you get someone speaking Chinese and someone speaking English and they don't have a translator and they are trying to do business together. But also by having like very different culture about how to do business, right? So it's quite interesting because a startup will make a decision over the weekend because basically may only involve one person. The CEO may just decide. So maybe you do a call on, on Friday at 5 p.m. On Saturday, the CEO may reply, say, okay, done, we do it. But the corporate will may have a long process to go through and this may take a lot of time. And, and sometimes the startup don't have this time, right? They, they may need that money. So it could be very challenging sometimes to work together because it's very different kind of speed of operation and, and corporates can afford to take time where a startup can't, especially at the beginning. So this is one of the misunderstandings sometimes between the two. Are there certain areas or titles uh, within an organization that most seem to be interested in this? Is, is it typically coming from IT or is it corporate development or is it is it already a company that has their innovation arm dedicated and so it's the innovation people who are reaching out? Is, are there any functions that are most drawn to this uh, in a corporation? Well, it's a bit similar that you want to get a job, you can talk to the HR because they may be the one having the biggest overview about what are the needs uh, across the whole company. So this is kind of the innovation team. They will be the guy having a pretty good view about what is happening across all the company. But they will not have a deep view as the hiring manager. So for example, if you are a startup, you can talk to the innovation team, 
But if you can talk directly to the person who will use your product or will buy your product, they may have a better understanding about the matching between what you have to offer and what they need. So the innovation team could be a good way to reach out to this person and helping to navigate the large organization. Ideally, if you can find the right person directly, you can you can save a little bit of time. That's why I use the analogy with the HR person. It's a bit the same thing. Uh, when you're looking for a job, you can talk to the HR or you can talk to a ring manager. Two different kind of interaction you can get. So yeah, of course, then you can... The corp dev team is really more like the M&A team. You get in some organization, the corporate digital officer, who could be also the person looking also to work with startups. So this is the case in some very large organization. I have like few people having this title. And sometimes you can get also some funny title, even if in some large corporation, uh, about people working with startups. But I would say usually it's more people also that you met at startup events from corporate will be, will be the one anyway working with startups. So you can look after those seven, who is speaking and who could be a good, a good fit. So this is quite an easy way to identify the person. Then the change for a startup is you get the person who could be the champion helping to get you reaching the right person, but maybe not the one really making the decision or being sure like this is the right fit. So the change for the setup is like you still may need to talk to two or three different people, at least in the organization. When you have reached the right people, it's still like two or three. Maybe more uh, the time you find those two or three people you should talk to. So this is a challenge for a setup. It, it really takes times and you really need to identify the right person. So this is, is quite challenging. Maybe one thing I can add is, is just maybe to give um, a quick overview about what is happening between the, those 262 companies who are working with startups. What, what we found is the number one thing and, and far beyond the number two that what corporate are doing is a corporate venture arm. So from the one who are working with startups is, is 62.6% of them doing a corporate venture arm. And this is followed by a startup competition is only 29% of them. And then you have accelerator and incubator for 24.4%. But the accelerator and incubator, I think we'll, we'll see across the years if this stay or not. We we heard a lot of openings. I know some of them already closed, where we get definitely way less press coverage for that. But uh, I think it's quite challenging, and especially because maybe people didn't realize that this might take like seven to ten years to pay off. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They, they they go into it with a three to five year budget or yes. so, and and then they invest in pre seed stage work. So this yeah. is one of the challenges. The second challenge is the average tenure of the CEO on the large company maybe five to seven years in the U.S. So basically, this may pay off for the next CEO. So which which is maybe too early now to have this kind of strategy. I think people. And this and that for R&D, that this may take a long time to pay off. I think for the corporate engagement, they may still expect something like a little bit faster than R&D. So maybe not willing to invest now for the next person. So sometimes you get some CEO who are very focused on doing these kind of things. But which is kind of rare in a way. I feel like the one who are doing very long-term strategy, usually the founders who are still in charge of the company, like, for example, Google. Or uh, when you get more like a visionary uh, CEO who, who joined later, like what we mentioned a bit on the on the report about DBS, which is quite interesting because you talk up, you are talking about a bank, which is not necessarily like the easiest company to move, and also DBS was a state-owned bank, so you get a mix between all business who barely changed for the last four to six hundred years and formerly part of the government, so not the easiest thing to move. But now Piyush Gupta, with the CEO, is doing a lot of initiative to have this moving forward. So what we saw also is a lot of corporates doing things and things which are working is especially when you get a top-down approach where you really get the CEO pushing hard to have those kind of things happen. Arnaud mentioned BMW's venture client model. 
So we brought back a part of Brian's conversation with Gregor Jimmy with the BMW Startup Garage when the two talked about the mutual benefits of the program and how it's different from an accelerator. Their conversation also got at what Arnaud was talking about in regards to connecting with the right people in a startup versus a corporation. Before we get started, why don't we uh, kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the BMW Startup Garage. Well, uh, this is Gregor. Uh, thanks a lot for reaching out and inviting us to share our uh, experiences with you guys. Yeah, the BMW Startup Garage is the venture client unit um, of the BMW Group for early stage startup. So we define ourselves not as an accelerator, but as a venture client unit, which means that we work with startups that graduate out of accelerators. And we work with them at a time where their product is not mature, it's a prototype, and where the company is still very young. That allows us to um, engage with the startup at a very early stage, but engage them as a client, basically enabling a, a young startup to have BMW as a client, as an early adopter, venture client, that actually issues a purchase order and a supplier number to the startup and brings in the technology of the startup into the real innovation project here in Munich at our world headquarters for R&D. That's pretty amazing. And you don't take equity. You just, you literally treat them as a, a normal client, but give them a, a lot of additional perks uh, to be a client. Exactly. Of yours. exactly. We think what a startup needs the most is having clients and especially a reference client like BMW that can help a startup from the very early stages to see if the technology fits into the automotive market and how to uh, really develop the right technology for the automotive market and to have this knowledge from our engineers that uh, we think uh, of, of most interest to the startups. I think there are very good accelerators out there like the Y Combinator, for example, or Highway One who do a great job in picking, establishing a, a company. And we think at BMW, our core competency is really then from there on, take a startup and bring them into the innovation process of BMW, but really in a real partner a client relationship, not in a yet another accelerator demo day kind of environment. Mm-hmm. We don't do demo days. We really take a project, the technology of a startup, find a real project within BMW innovation process and build. And, and the startup actually really works together with the R&D engineer at the headquarters here in Munich, as opposed to with us, um, and validating and evolving that technology so that it fits into, into our in vehicles and products and services. I specifically like the the concept that where you're helping them kind of understand the players and understand the, the nuances of working in a corporate environment because I think that's where a lot of startups struggle is you know they they may be technological geniuses or or have an idea but getting that product to market is oftentimes the most challenging part it's not necessarily the technology yeah exactly and we also see very very strongly that once a startup starts a program and they start to work with the real engineering department at the at Borussia, they see a lot of things that they haven't thought about and they were uh, so they have a very very good core technology but you know their interfaces are missing or you know, they're, 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 they didn't think about some aspects of scaling that. And so, and, but now the fact is that they work on a real project. It's like, you know, the difference between reading a jogging book and go jogging, correct? <laughs> right. I mean, oh, they're actually go jogging and they see, oh my God, you know, going up the hill is, is, is more difficult than I thought and I better, better take some water with me or something. So there are all those learnings that come with the process that are just much more realistic than sitting in a corporate accelerator, which, by the way, they've already gone through an accelerator, so why should they go to another accelerator, correct? Or why should we compete against an independent accelerator if really what the startup needs is a client at an early stage as opposed to a corporate accelerator? I agree. You know, there's one thing that we do here in, in Nebraska. We have a program called, we call it Jumpstart Challenge, and what we do is go out. It's in conjunction with the local chamber of commerce, and they go and find one or two or three corporations that are 
facing specific industry challenge problems. And then they have a pitch competition, almost like a reverse pitch, where the corporation will say, hey, we're trying to solve this particular issue in our industry. They'll throw it out to entrepreneurs, and then the entrepreneurs in the room will go and try to come up with particular solutions or, or applications to that. And then the winning team or teams are picked to become the first client of that corporation. So it's, some, it's a similar type of model, not as direct and as, uh, I guess, intensive as what you guys have put together. But it's, it's a model that we've seen in our own local ecosystem that's really helped a couple startups get off the ground that wouldn't have gotten off the ground without that collaboration. That wraps up this episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to Arnaud on LinkedIn or at 500.co. Reach out to us on Twitter at the IO Podcast and stay up to date on summit developments at the IO Summit on Twitter and the IOSummit.com. I bet you've used an Uber in the past two months. If you think we're just as cool as Larry and the Kia Soul playing Aerosmith on repeat, drop us a five-star on iTunes so we can keep sharing insights that just might help create the next Uber. Until next time, go out and innovate.